My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. I feel like I'm shooting rainbows out of my vagina. What would inspire a writer to exclaim this in public, do you think? No, it's not me, unfortunately. But someone who's benefited a lot by something you're going to hear about today, thanks to returning guest, sexologist, and sexological body worker, Dr. Vixen, or Dr. V. We'll also chat about sex memes, the funny and not so funny, and a viral video on masculinity that's aggravated some people and been a total heck yes for others. And we'll talk a little bit about small penis humiliation and why some folks are gaga for it. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so thrilled that you're listening. Before we jump in, a huge sponsor shout out to The Pleasure Chest, my favorite place to shop for toys and lube and other sexual health products with stores in L.A., Chicago, and New York. To shop ASAP, head to thepleasurechest.com or click their ad on my website, augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org. While you're there, I hope you'll sign up for occasional Girl Boner extras by email. I send updates about once a month, including news about events, lessons I'm learning along the way, and occasional freebies and discounts. In my next newsletter, I'll give folks an exclusive sneak peek at upcoming topics. And to take your sexual empowerment journey further and learn all kinds of stuff about pleasure, sexual self-discovery, and more through personal stories, relevant study findings that may surprise you, and journaling prompts, check out my book, Girl Boner, The Good Girl's Guide to Sexual Empowerment. It has takeaways for people of all genders and ages, and numerous readers have told me that it's kind of like gabbing about sex and sexuality with a sex-positive friend. And it's something I really aimed for to keep it inclusive. You can also pre-order Girl Boner Journal, a fun companion book full of stories and exercises on Amazon. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome Victoria, Dr. V, back to the show. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad to be back. I've missed having you on. You were the first expert I had on who brought in toys. You walked in with like a whip. Yeah, (laughs) which was, I thought, kind of brilliant. Yeah. Do you remember what you brought in? I think I brought in um, a flogger, a feather, um, a spatula. That's right. (laughs) Pervertibles, yeah. That's right. Pervertibles. That was so fun. And I've run into you a couple times at conferences since. Mm -hmm. I'm always so happy when I see you. And you share such wonderful content online. I really appreciate the way that you talk about sex and sexuality and also about your own life in an authentic way. Hmm. So thank you for that. Oh, yes. it's. I mean, I can't imagine being anyone but myself. It's super cheesy to say out loud. Uh, but I'm glad. I hope that it helps someone out there. I know it does, for sure. <laughs> so the Gillette video. Yes. It's really interesting. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's called We Believe the best men can be. It was created uh, by Gillette to show men being role models by stepping in to stop bullying and harassment, uh, demonstrating how to kind of be kinder to people, 
Um, the company says they're proud of the ad's message about what it says to be a good man today and how men can step up to reject bad behavior and take positive action. A lot of people don't agree with the message. Uh, a lot of people love the message. And then there are people who are like, yeah, but why didn't you get to this point earlier? Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what's your take on it? Yeah, well, I think it was a nice commercial, right? Um, ultimately, we have to remember they're still you know, a corporation. They want to sell products, um, which is fine. Um, that's, you know let them do that. Um, So it's kind of like a bare minimum. It reminded me a little bit of the Nike ad that happened a few months ago um, when they uh, chose to use Colin Kaepernick in it to sort of support that and stand with um, more social justice type stuff also. Um, And so that's great. I think companies are starting to make a conscious choice that they want to um, gear more to people who might, you know, spend money on their products and stand with similar ideals. So it's a smart marketing strategy for sure. Yeah. I mean, the message didn't hurt. I thought it was good, fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it too. And I feel like the what you just said, obviously corporations, they have to think about money basically first, or at least in the top few priorities yeah. of, of what they do. And I know millennials in particular, studies show, care a lot about whether the company donates to charity, whether the company is ethical. And so you can kind of, quote, use that, right, mm-hmm. to sell a product. And I always, like, I thought of the Dove campaign when I yeah. saw this, where they were doing the, you know, love your body, um, don't be so hard on yourself by having a sketch artist draw what I think it was all like cis women mm-hmm. were describing what they thought they looked like. Yeah. And then the image that someone else described them was was much more positive. Mm-hmm. The results showing a lot of negative self-talk that we that we tend to live with. And people were pretty skeptical of that because they're like, this is a beauty company. They're just trying to make money. And I thought, yeah, but also if if someone's going to make money, I'd rather they make money on debunking toxic masculinity and bad body image messages than, right. you know, than promoting them. Yes. Yeah. So in that That's way, I thought it was point. it was it was cool and also kind of brave in the way that you're going to get a lot of trolls. Oh, so many trolls. Like, I I mean, it's hard to see that side being not on that side <laughs> that what why, what's wrong? Why is why is this upsetting to you? You know, stopping bullying and stopping, you know, kids being teased or chased or whatever it was. And uh, I don't really see what's wrong. <laughs> yeah, it really, I mean, it proves it proves the need for it. Yeah. When somebody says, stop telling me how to be a man, when actually the video helps men, too. Right. It helps everyone, but it gives men permission to have feelings, mm-hmm. to reach out and care and and maybe tell a friend like hey yeah don't actually chase that woman down the street and catcall that's a cool thing to <laughs> so people who are mm-hmm. against that it's almost like well is that what you want of yourself and for your peers and right. and children and yeah it was really interesting and actually i w- i got a little depressed when i looked at the youtube video because it had i put this down here 1.4 million thumbs down and only 700 what? wait 77.4 thousand thumbs up and I thought, okay, this is depressing. And then I was reading more about it. And apparently 
Mark Pritchard, who's the chief brand officer at Procter & Gamble, said, it's important to distinguish between actual consumer sentiment and some of the social media reactions, you know, that that doesn't represent the majority opinion. Independent research from multiple sources indicates a far more positive reaction than has been reported. So then I think, Mm -hmm. well, trolls, they're not one thumb down. You get like a (laughs) troll with a wallet and they're like a thousand thumbs down. Yes. They have machines behind this stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's depressed out there, not all people are douchebags. Right. Absolutely. I think people and I also love the fact that people take the energy and the time to be vocal about things that they're so upset about. Um, that Okay, sure. Yeah, it, it has <laughs> to be about something deeper about themselves, yeah. don't you think? Or people, you know, burning their Nikes or I'm never going to I'm throwing my Gillette away. You already gave them your money. So I don't think they care. Yeah, it's really true. <laughs> it's really true. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's so interesting because I thought we should talk about sex positive memes. So I Googled them. Oi. <sighs> yeah, I did that for a few minutes. Did too, you put that same for Because sex, po- I thought by putting sex positive, it would be helpful mm. because if I put sex memes, I knew there'd be a lot of really demeaning stuff. Okay, I forgot to put sex positive just because that's how I offer it. It's the well, level yeah. I operate on, I forgot. Well, because to you, it's, it's so all po- I mean, sex is all positive. It's it should so be, right? Funny. But it's but like, yeah, it was a even sex positive terrifying. memes, when I Googled some, I'm not going to read them. I almost mm. was going to, and I thought, no, I don't even want to go there. Right. Uh, we can talk about some that are kind of iffy, but what was what's one sex meme that you that you so appreciate the message pull for? my phone. There was, was a great one that I actually saw um, scrolling through Instagram uh, Sex Coach Lee, who is someone I follow, uh, had this great one um, that has a person with uh, pigtails and glasses with their hand up uh, against the words that say, that say, are you clean? And then a bottom one with a more like positive, like, yeah, kind of a gesture with have you been tested for STIs recently? Um, so that one's, I think, a great one, which is... Um, trying to help us move away from this clean, dirty sort of paradigm around STIs, STDs, and more towards, well, have you just been tested? Because that doesn't, you know, it's less stigmatizing and having, being positive or not positive doesn't say anything about you necessarily. And it's, it's, Things, you know, things happen and most things are treatable, curable. So just, you know, yeah. move along. And I think that. a meme is so helpful in that case because people say it without giving it thought. Yeah. They've just heard, are you clean and take it to me and do you have an SDI, STD? And it's like, oh, I didn't even. It's kind of like you sing a song over and over that you loved when you were a kid and you realize you're singing about rape and you're like, oh, that's actually not a good song. Uh, yeah. Um, unless it's pointing out awareness, you know. Mm. Um, but it just so gets nice. into our language. Oh, yes. And memes are good for that. I mean, it's also not when you ask someone, are you clean? That's not giving like any extra context. Um, are you like what are your, you know, safer sex practices? Are you using barriers? How many partners do you have? And all that other kinds of questions that you might want to ask in your yeah. conversation. That's so true. And the answer to that should just be like, do you mean have I washed my hands recently? <laughs> We should make a meme out of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the one. I've seen different variations of this, but it always cracks me up where it has – sometimes it's a picture of a dildo and sometimes it's – there's one I saw where it's like ancient Greece and there's these depictions of people with dildos made out of stone. And it says, dildos, the original selfie stick. 
Oh my <laughs> that god, that always cracks me up. I, I love like that, that one. one. I went out a shirt. Uh, <laughs> here's an iffy one though that was kind of. I could. Nah, I'll I'll tell you what it said. So this was under the sex positive meme Google before I got smarter and went to sex educators on Instagram because mm. that's better. Um, but mm-hmm. I found this was two cartoon people, and one says to the other, "You'll be a big movie star, baby. I see Oscars and Tonys in your future." And the other person says, "Great. Where do I sign?" And then the next image is. The same individual who signed this agreement to be a star on a table with the pants down, the butt hanging out, and the sign says, Super Bum Love 7, and the person who had approached was a producer. So it's obviously a porn shoot. Mm. And on one hand, it brought light to something that's really sad that does happen where people get manipulated into being in sexual content that they weren't aware was going to be right. sexual content, and that's important. But it's also a bit shaming of working in porn because the person sitting there with the butt all free and easy is also mm-hmm. looking really upset. And you can feel that the punchline is sort of like, oh, you think you can be a star? Actually, all you can be is in porn. Like, that's a really... Mm. So I felt like it was a little bit stigmatizing. Right. Yeah, that definitely sounds also like it's... Uh, you know, touching on power dynamics as well, just even in regular Hollywood. And it's funny, the Oscars are today. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, I'm curious to see how that goes. But um, the whole thing around, you know, power dynamics and people in charge saying you have to do these sorts of things to be able to get the role. You want to be in the role and you want to be nominated and win awards, of course, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of layers to that one. I have so many friends in the industry who answered an ad on Craigslist because they're really trying to get a job and they, you know, they're an actor and they don't have an agent and they get there and really it was someone just trying to to meet people to date, you know, just or or they do get into a situation where, okay, take your clothes off and that's not what the ad said. So the transparency right. is is not there for Ugh. sure. What's another good one to, to cleanse that out of our yeah, mouths? Cleanse it. Um, yeah. This one... <laughs> I'll save that one for later. Um, This was another one I found on Facebook. Um, Sexologist Goody Howard um, had posted this a while back. Um, It's kind of good. It's kind of like poking fun at. um, So there's two images of like one's a sausage and one is a hot dog. And so the sausage one says the penis of a virgin, a penis is still large and healthy. It hasn't been crushed inside dozens of vaginas and will one day make the right woman a very happy wife. And on the other side, there's a slim like hot dog and it says, or maybe it's a breakfast sausage. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the pe- soy sausage. Yes, yeah, soy riso. Um, <laughs> penis of a man who has had multiple sexual partners. Penis has shriveled down to less than one third of its original size due to vaginal pressure and will no longer be able to pleasure any woman which is hilarious <laughs> so it's obviously poking fun at um you know if if a if a woman or person with a vagina has multiple partners with a penis they're gonna get all loose and stretched out and will never be able to satisfy right <laughs> because there's so many levels first of all no that's not how vaginas work secondly um vaginas aren't here just to please to hold a penis hold a penis and (laughs) please men or people with penises yeah it's just yeah it reminds me a little bit of i've done a couple of episodes on purity culture Mm. and the messages Mm. that that girls are taught about sex are often things like 
imagine you are this cookie and let's pass it around the classroom and everyone spit on it and then let's put it on the floor and step on it. Okay, now who wants to eat it? And no one raises their hand and the teacher will say something like, see, if a girl has sex or even sometimes kisses, is intimate, whatever, with another person before marriage, you're used up and full of spit and stomped on. I mean, and to hear to see it flipped around gender-wise or genitalia-wise yeah. is so interesting because it's even more obvious because I think we've heard the ones related to femme, female, vagina so much more. Yes. Yeah. I love when things are flipped around like that. Did you see Pause. the Little Mermaid one? Uh, which one is this? I shared this one. I got it from uh, Laura DiCarlo, the company creating that really cool toy that their reward was like revoked. I chatted with them recently. Oh, yes, yes. Wonderful company. And uh, they showed on their account. So it's the Little Mermaid, you know, the little yellow fish flounder, flounder. talking to Ariel the mermaid. And the text that's added to it says, partner, do you have any sex toys? And then me, which is Ariel, I have gadgets and gizmos aplenty. <laughs> and then I was just thinking it's so great because the, later in the song it goes, but who cares? No big deal. I want more. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, my soul sister. Uh-huh. That was a good one. I resonate with that one very yeah. deeply. Yeah. I think it's so important for people who are looking for humor to share around sex and sexuality, as we both experienced just in this little exchange. Mm-hmm. To go go to Instagram and search for sex educators, for sex writers, for people who are really truly sex positive, uh-huh. because it can be hard to sort that stuff out. Oh yes, absolutely. So I would love to talk a little bit about your work in orgasmic yoga. Mm-hmm. So Self Magazine did an article. There was a writer, Carrie Borzio who in 2016, she felt like she had lost her sexual mojo, she said. Um, She basically was used to having a really high sex drive. Mm. And she had deprioritized sex because she got busy with other things. And she said, it's really true when you're not really thinking about it. it can. It's like the more you are engaging, the more alive it is in you. And she felt Mm. like it had kind of diminished and she was feeling self-conscious about her body. She had, her body had changed and she felt that she was, she felt guilty as a feminist for shaming her own body, which I think we can all fall into that kind of thing. I thought that was a really honest thing to say. But anyway, so she was not feeling like sexy. Mm -hmm. And she ended up deciding to take uh, an orgasmic yoga class, which inspired the rainbows out of her vagina. Uh, (laughs) So orgasmic yoga comes from the oldest form of yoga I read, Shakti yoga, which refers to feminine energy in Hindu goddess, although I know it's very inclusive in in your practice. It's not Mm -hmm. just about feminine energy. It's about sexual energy. Uh, But it was created from the nine years the original creator who coined the term Sam Isadora spent studying the authentic roots of Shakti in India. And Carrie, who took this class, um, wrote an article about kind of some of the stuff that happened in that particular class. And I know they're all different. But she said the micro movements and squeezes we do in O-Yoga are actually the modern adaptation of these ancient and authentic practices, which had to be kept secret even in India for thousands of years because the religion taboo against sexual energy Oh, yoga and tantra celebrate sensuality and view sex as holistic, as a path to meditation, and as goddess energy embodied in us. 
I know there are different forms of orgasmic yoga. Sometimes there are certain clenches that you do, certain mm-hmm. kind of muscular things that might enliven your, you know, focus on the genital area. But yeah. it's there's so many different kind of ways to do it. I thought I will bring up a couple of m- myths that I think people have about it. I'd love if you could speak to it because you teach these classes. Yeah. Uh, the first one, it's basically regular yoga, a workout, except it ends in an orgasm. Mm. Yeah. So, no. Um, particularly the uh, oh, yoga that I facilitate, um, uh, I don't rely on any uh, things that we might consider traditional yoga. I don't tell people to do different poses, warrior, I don't know, sun, salutation, I don't know. Downward dog. I always <laughs> think of that one with orgasmic yoga because it reminds me of doggy style, but I don't think oh, that's yeah. what it's really No, so about. I never tell people to get into specific poses, and I never tell people to touch their bits specifically. Um, in our space that we, uh, that we practice this in, it's more about um, encouraging... Um, breath, movement, sound, touch, and awareness and intention. And people can practice this um, fully clothed if they're, you know, more on the shy or like not so sure side of things. Um, They can be fully clothed. I always say with a blanket up to your chin, Um, you can be breathing just throughout, which can be super profound. And then all the way to the other side of that spectrum where people get fully nude and they do want to touch their their genitals and they do want to incorporate more erotic um, intentions and uh, maybe even have orgasms. But it's not like, first of all, I'm not going to, it's not a pass fail. I don't grade you. Um, yeah. So. so it's not like everyone at the end like moans together. There's definitely and... sounds. I want to encourage sounds because um, well, so often in our self-pleasuring practices, we're so quiet because thin walls or you live with roommates or family or all the different things. So we uh, it's hard to break out of that habit of just constantly being quiet. So making sounds. um stimulates the vagus nerve which can produce a calming effect in the body and um, it's the longest nerve also throughout the body and so it kind of provides a vibration and it adds a release like even if you just uh, I don't want to you know uh, mess up people with headphones in uh, <laughs> their ears but um yeah so just even just a loud exhale feels very different from exhaling a little more silently so yeah, and it's interesting when that. you brought up sex sounds. There's so much grunting in a gym usually, yes, and people have no problem grunting away at really, really mm-hmm. at high volume, uh-huh. you know. But then you bring it into a sexual space, and I feel like that's an important piece that you're bringing to people is is making it a more normalized, natural, beautiful thing. Yes. What about this myth? Mm-hmm. I have to be good at regular yoga to participate in it Mm-mm, not at all not at all um i am not from the yoga traditions or from the yoga background um definitely if you if a person wants to come in and incorporate those poses into their practice by all means please do um but in our space again it's more about um i'll pepper in suggestions on um checking in on your breath um inviting people to get up to change positions not just necessarily be sitting or laying down the entire time uh so it's more and incorporating also micro movements like even like a hand movement to pair with your breath um can be super profound because we don't always pair those things or super unconscious to be breathing so uh 
no, we don't have to do specific. And I know that some classes, they require clothing. Yours right. does not, right? It's optional? Correct. Um, I have held a couple of classes um, where it was like more of a 101 style to kind of like ease people in and a little more guided as well in, in those spaces. So those were um, clothes, clothing was required. But for the most part, I have a space where I welcome people to show I mean, not from the beginning, because we have to talk, we have to chat a bit and get into the space and set the boundaries, of course, of what the practice is going to be. But once that the actual practice does get started, I invite people to be as cold or as nude as they would like. Um, I in my like intro email that I tell uh, that I send the night before or whatever that I tell people to um if they'd like to bring things to seduce themselves, if people want to wear something like more lingerie-ish or like slinky or soft or cozy, like bring something that, you know, um, awakens your senses is, you know, tantalizing. and all that kind Yeah, of stuff. which is such a good, I can see why it would awaken someone's kind of sexual flame, if you will, mm-hmm. whatever you call that, your connectedness to your sensuality yeah. by having a, a practice where someone is gently guiding you, but it's very private too so you're around people but it's not like you're all looking at each other I think whenever people hear clothing optional they're like oh everyone's gonna be staring at my butt or something but it's actually (laughs) a lot of individual spaces right within a collective room Mm -hmm. um depending on uh on the night of course um sometimes I lay out something called the soft island I've posted photos of this every so often where it's nice and like cozy and a lot of blankets um laid out um and sometimes it's a little less of a big sort of space setup um, or individual like yoga mats and people create nests and um, bring their own blankets and things to be like all cozy. So it's not about no one's touching anyone else, even if you come with a partner. Sorry, folks, you can negotiate that outside. Um, And uh, it's not about eye gazing. But at the same time, I don't want people to necessarily keep their eyes super tightly closed. It's okay if you kind of um, have a soft gaze. You're not staring at any one individual for any length of time, remembering that we're all here for our own individual practice, um, but in a little bit of like a witnessing holding capacity as well, because it is so edgy and radical to be in a space where solo communal erotic practice is happening. What would you recommend to someone who's nervous about the first time? I feel like that's a big step for a lot of people mm-hmm. to to be that vulnerable because yeah. it probably feels vulnerable at first. Right. Um, I would say, you know, you can show up however you want to show up in the space as long as you adhere to those basic guidelines of, you know, we're not touching anyone, we're not staring anyone down, um, that, you know, you can, you can change your mind during the practice. It's 45 minutes long. So if you decide like, you know, actually, I just want to be clothed the entire time. That's totally fine. That might bring up different things for you. Um, And you could just check in with your breathing, move around. I have a, I have different kinds of playlists every time. So if you want to get up and move around and dance, if it calls to you, like, I want to look at erotic practice and um, pleasure practices as this expansive erotic menu. So is it sometimes very orgasmic and big and very genital focus? Sometimes, but sometimes it's just noticing a breeze, Um, you you know, noticing how you towel off after a shower. These little like small pleasures that we might be missing throughout our day. I want Mm. people to like invite that and incorporate that as well. Is that why the 
nudity is an option because when you can see your body, you're more perhaps connected when you're not feeling clothing, but you're feeling your flesh. I imagine there's a heightened awareness. Mm -hmm. Is that the benefit? Definitely. Um, And uh, I would say, yeah, when you're more, I guess, or when you're less clothed, you might more easily drop into a specifically erotic sort of a mindset. Uh, But I could see that the opposite would be true as well. If you're like partly clothed or or clothed, that might be super erotic for some people who are into maybe specific sorts of fabrics or, I don't know, uniforms. I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so if, it, if you, it kind of could work a fetish into this, which yeah. um, I'd love to talk about a little bit, too. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll come back to some ways to cultivate some of the things you're talking about on our own at, at home, too. Yes. Um, but I received a really thoughtful email from a listener named Robbie who is curious about small penis humiliation. He gets a lot of pleasure for this and kind of wants to know, you know, a bit more about it. You know, why do people get turned on by it or, or do people generally? And uh, I was reading more about this, and small penis humiliation is a, a kink that's really popular. In fact, so much so that there's an entire porn genre dedicated mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And Dan Savage, host of ha- Savage Love, wrote that there are more than 76,000 SPH-themed porn videos just on Xtube, um, which he, he feels they can be good for people who have anxiety around having a small penis, mm-hmm. turn it into something really self-empowering. Mm-hmm. So I could see that being one way it might manifest. It also could just be something you really love, right? There, yeah. It could just be that that's something you really enjoy, maybe something that you feel is unique about you. Mm-hmm. I know people of all genders and genitalia may really be into this. And I think that's a powerful message because there is so much focus on, like, the big dick, you know? Right. I think that that's an important piece. Mm-hmm. What do you think is... For someone who's wanting to embrace a fetish like that, what what comes up for you? Wow. This isn't one I've thought so much about. But I guess um, definitely finding um, videos could be definitely helpful to um, maybe be able to express that um, if you maybe don't have a partner to try, or you're nervous about bringing it up with a partner. Um, and, oh. But also, uh, I guess I always uh, a phrase I always like to say is never negotiate naked. So if you do have a partner and you want to bring this up, maybe don't bring it up in the heat of the moment. Um, could be interesting uh, to yeah, that's know, a good that point. You, wanna... you don't want it in the middle of sex. Be like humiliate me, right? You know, because you might the... want to talk about that beforehand, right? Yeah, because I know humiliation is a big fetish for a lot of people mm-hmm. too. Either humiliating someone, being humiliated, which I think has to do with some of the power dynamics you mentioned earlier. Right. Some of the people who I know uh, who do sex work have said that a lot of their clients who love to be humiliated, which is especially common among powerful straight hetero guys, like mm-hmm. cisgender dudes who have really high-powered careers. And there's a lot of pressure for them to be the the powerful dude and to have somebody really humiliate them is this exciting thing. And I think mm-hmm. to normalize that and know that that's some – and even if you were just one of a handful of people who got off on that, there's there's no harm in it. So whenever no. there's a fetish that you can engage in and it, it isn't hurting anybody, right. I think 
Yeah, embrace it. Yeah, I, I there's definitely what's that rule of the internet? If you've thought of it, there's probably porn about it, and other <laughs> people are probably into it too. So yeah. you can definitely find folks. Completely, completely. Uh-huh. And whether that's a partner or just a community for it or fodder for yourself, you Absolutely. know, to enjoy. Because there's also, I did an episode on small penis pageants. Oh, Somebody yeah. Contacted it sounded me. somewhat familiar. Yeah. yeah. So there's also a micro penis. There's like different sizes of small penis. But the other thing that's interesting is studies involving cisgender guys have shown that a lot of them. Who, a lot of people who think they have a small penis have an average size penis. Right, of course. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Going right? back to the overall concept of we're not taught about our bodies or sexuality yeah. or anything. Completely, <laughs> which accurately. is why, again, debunking <laughs> myths about gender, like I think that Gillette video does a nice job of. It's a PSA, basically. Yeah. And I'm glad it, they didn't put a bunch of razors in it. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't... Right. It, it's like a... I think it's a lovely... It's a well-done <laughs> film. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's it's very interesting, for sure. Uh, so I love that your passion is working in facilitating the exploration and expansion of discovering one's erotic possibilities. I pulled that directly from your site because it was kind of mesmerizing to me. What are some of the ways we can cultivate that? Mm. Whether it's through a yoga practice at home or, Absolutely. you know, just any kind of way to really connect with that part of ourselves. Mm. One of the biggest things, I think, especially we're in such a like go, 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 overwhelming kind of world, work and lives and all the things that's important to schedule and I know it's cheesy and I know it's like resistance I can't schedule that's not sexy Um, but sometimes you do have to specifically carve out that time and then um, having a music playlist is is a good um, accompaniment as well that way you don't have to be staring at a clock you know like oh it's 30 minutes long and like maybe this song is the one that kind of ends it so I know to wrap things up um and so you can show up into that practice um you know however you show up um back when I did a daily erotic daily o yoga practice for masturbation may a few years ago Um, So I set out to do 30 minutes of practice every single day, which even by like day four, you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) so many more days. Um, Because it feels long when you're – because 30 minutes – it's funny because 30 minutes doesn't sound that long. (laughs) But when you look at how long sexual activity usually takes, Mm. 30 minutes is a long time. It's a long time and by yourself. Um, So setting a playlist is useful and then – Again, showing up to that space, however that ends up looking. Sometimes it's explicitly erotic and like, yeah, I really want to touch myself. I want to take my time. I want to do all these things and you know, hit all my erogenous zones in this way, use my toys. And other times it's just like, well, okay, we're here. <laughs> and uh, I don't really want to touch my bits. And maybe I had a really crappy day in an argument or, you know, someone flipped me off on the way home or all whatever, all the stuff, you know, that can happen in our day. So just being able to show up in that time and just be like, okay, I set the time aside for myself. And you can do kegels, you can breathe, you can try to like do a little like heart connection. I'm putting one hand on my heart and one on my belly, but it could be anywhere. And just kind of breathe with it and, you know, kind of maybe forgive yourself or let go of it um, and hold like self-compassion around a myriad of things, whether it's body image or whether it's um, 
communication things and just being like, you know, okay, we're here and it's going to be okay. And mm. it'll be, you know, maybe better the next time. That's or, really lovely. Or more erotic the next time. Yeah. Practice, so. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned scheduling. I thought of something Dr. Megan said some months ago. She said, people get don't get less excited about a vacation because they planned it. <laughs> and I thought that's such a good point because when you plan something, you're kind of more excited about it. Yes. But we expect sex to be so spontaneous all the time. Like it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to our own pleasure, I love taking that time, whether it is orgasmic or not, mm-hmm. right? Having that and whether it's 30 minutes, five minutes, once a week, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you planning to do that month again? Oh, I don't want to have to like commit to it on air. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I won't hold you to it. But I think that um, I definitely have my monthly practice, and there will be a day, um, at least one practice in May that happens. Um, but I don't know. I I should probably start thinking about what I'm going to do for masturbation May. Yeah, you have some time. But I think that's such an important celebration. It started from masturbation day. Right. That was started by good vibes after the firing of. Dr. Jocelyn Elders during the Clinton administration. For For being pro-masturbation as a way to practice safe sex, which is so important. Imagine how many kids would benefit. Yeah, she's so brave and badass. (laughs) So great. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me again. Remind people where they can find you, including your Instagram for actually positive memes. Oh, yes. So I am at Dr. Vixen, V-I-X-E-N-N-E, on most social media. And my website is sexologistvixen, V-I-X-E-N-N-E, dot com. I asked Dr. Megan Fleming, our resident sex and relationship therapist, to weigh in on this related listener question. I think it really says something that within the same month, two questions arrived to me about humiliation as a kink or fetish. Cherish wrote this. My boyfriend wants me to humiliate him during sex. Apparently that's his kink. I'm happy to give this a try, but I'm not sure where to start. This is such a great question, Cherish. Thanks for sending it in. Here is what Dr. Megan had to say. Cherish, let me first say, I think it's fantastic that you're being open and receptive to sort of explore your boyfriend's uh, interest and sort of kink, as you said, for humiliation. And I sort of want to start by saying, listen, we know what we know and we don't know what we don't know. So if you haven't yet explored this and knowing that it is a huge turn on for your partner, it might really be an area, an untapped area of erotic exploration for yourself and for you as a couple. So keeping your mind open and coming to it from that open and receptive place. And also from the appreciation, right, that I often say we never start as expert, right? So going to this experience with a sense of, you know, curiosity, play, having fun, uh, exploration, and I'm sure he's going to appreciate your interest and effort. And you can really start by exploring and asking him, tell me more, right? Really coming to it from a place of um, wanting to understand, like, what are the aspects of the humiliation that turn him on? You know, is it sort of the verbal humiliation, which might be insights, uh, sorry, insults, verbal abuse, could be degrading names, uh, it could be cruel references to parts of his body, or uh, spitting, servitude, body worship, I mean, the list can go on and on. Or it could also be physical humiliation, Um, and so, you know, it's really, I think important that you sort of 
get into his mind and say, you know, and when you're in this sort of submissive space or in the place of humiliation, you know, how does it help him to feel? What aspects of it are erotic for him? And to remember that erotic humiliation is consensual. It is in no way abusive. And it is the whole you know, intention and uh, action of it is to perform the humiliation in the context of evoking the sexual arousal and excitement. So you can think of it in terms of foreplay or part of the in the moment sort of sexual role play. And that, you know, it is sort of a submissive role or bottom mind space. But I think it's also important to be clear that not all submissives like humiliation. Um, and of course, I'm sure you're looking for what's a good place to start. Um, and so I would definitely recommend, um, although there are many good books and resources online, but one I would say is a great place to start is a book called Enough to Make You Both Blush, Exploring Erotic Humiliation by Princess Callie. And she is somebody with over like 15 years of experience as a professional dominatrix. And she's also the founder of eroticationcom and there are additional resources there. So I hope that points you in the right direction. As always, love to hear how it goes. I love what she said about approaching this with a sense of curiosity play, fun and exploration, and asking questions. Such wonderful advice. Megan also wanted to invite you all to her Thrive course, which is starting soon. Her recent related webinar was so awesome, and I can't wait to hear what attendees will learn from this more in-depth offering. If you appreciate our Ask Dr. Megan segments, this will provide such an amazing opportunity to work toward personal goals with her in a fun, uplifting way and have access to her wisdom and expertise in this really personal small group. So last week, I hosted a live webinar on Thrive, which gave people a little taste of what it's going to be like. And so if you didn't catch it live, I just want you to know the replay is still available and you can still register. Just go to greatlifegreatsex forward slash thrive. Or again, the link is at the bottom of today's show notes. And just so you know, it was an opportunity, um, not only for people to answer their own questions live now, which you can now listen to, but also to cover sort of in some detail what the five weeks and sort of the five keys that you're going to learn if you take the program, which is going to be live and starting on April 4th, Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So anyway, even when if you didn't have an opportunity to watch it live, please listen to the recording because you will definitely have key takeaways as well as access to the exercises that I invited people to take in the live webinar, which again was more like a uh, live stream. It was very interactive, um, but I still want you to have the opportunity to listen to it. And if you have any additional questions, you can always contact me on my website, Great Life, Great Sex contact page, because I'm certainly happy to spend time and answer any questions you might have before the program launches. Again, the sign-up link is at greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash thrive. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a rating and review while you're there. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. Girl Boner Radio is owned, operated, and executively produced by me, August McLaughlin, with technical producer and audio extraordinaire, Mackenzie Mazel, as part of the Period Podcast Network, an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast, brand, movement, and book series at girlboner.org, and more about Period at periodnetwork.com.